0: Welcome to NEP On Location. Here we hit the road and have conversations with some of the brightest minds from the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more. In this episode, Jim Oleski is on location at NEP's We Need to Talk Mental and Behavioral Health Conference in Las Vegas and has a conversation with Dr. Michelle Freeman. Dr. Freeman spent nearly 30 years in law enforcement, including serving nearly a decade as Chief of the City of Las Vegas Department of Public Safety. Dr. Freeman earned her Doctor of Public Policy degree, which focused on suicide awareness and prevention for law enforcement officers from UNLV and has been a longtime volunteer with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention Nevada Chapter. Dr. Freeman facilitates educational programs dedicated to resiliency, mental wellness, emotional health, self-care, holistic wellness, suicide awareness and prevention, and overall well-being.
1: Hi, this is Jim Oleski again from NEP Media. We are once again on location in Las Vegas at NEP Services at the We Need to Talk Behavioral Health Conference. Joining us now is Dr. Michelle Freeman from the AFSP, which is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Thank you for being here today at the We Need to Talk Conference and for sitting down with us to have a little uh, longer discussion about, about this uh, critical topic of, of, of behavioral and mental health. So, welcome. If, if you want to start out by uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself and some of your experiences and what you done and what you do now
2: thank you so much jim it's my pleasure to be here i really appreciate being in this space it's near and dear to my heart i worked in the law enforcement arena here in las vegas for the city of las vegas department of public safety for almost 30 years I retired as the chief, which I was very fortunate to be able to have that responsibility prior to my departure. I loved what I did. I love working with first responders, and I really have a strong passion for mental wellness and suicide prevention and awareness. I received my doctorate in suicide awareness and prevention for law enforcement officers. It was focused in public policy, and I have been very emerged in the area of mental wellness, self-care, resiliency for many years. With that being said, that finds me into the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. I was there for, actually I started since 2013. I was part of the organization. We became a chartered chapter here in Nevada in 2015. There is a, at least one chapter in every state in the United States. The main base is, the national base is in New York, and it's really a great organization. Why I say it's so great is it's the largest nonprofit organization that does evidence-based research. They have education, advocacy, and support for survivors of suicide loss, as well as survivors for, for um, suicide attempts. So it's really very comprehensive. The majority of us are volunteers. We do have staff. Myself, I'm a volunteer, and I have been since, like I said, 2013, even though we didn't become chartered until 2015. And um, our mission is to save lives and bring hope to those affected by suicide.
1: So I I have to imagine for you to have gotten uh, extraordinarily deep into such a narrow um, specialty, uh, especially with the the Ph.D. that, that you described... You had to have some personal, um, you know, something something really hit home for you on this topic. Somebody doesn't pick a topic like this out of a hat. And I have to imagine with decades of law enforcement experience, um, you, you probably had some things, unfortunately, hit home. Is that, is that safe to assume and, and, and kind of some of your motivation on why did out of everything you could have gone deep on with your, obviously, decades of, of probably seeing everything under the sun... Why did you pick this?
2: You know, it's really interesting, Jim. Um, I really have always had a passion for helping people. I really wanted to be in that space, in that arena. I just feel really connected with people and want to do the best that I can to help serving people. And that was before I got into the profession. So initially, when I first started really becoming attracted, to the mental wellness space, to the self-care space, resiliency. I mean, of course it developed over the years. However, initially I just really had a passion. I had an interest. I knew when I first started um, to go to college, right, when I got out of high school, that I wanted to do something in the criminal justice space, in the psychology space, counseling area, somewhere in there. I picked this space because I feel like truly, and we hear it a lot in law enforcement and first responder worlds, it's a calling. Yep. I do believe it was a calling. However, you're correct. I did have um, loss. I've had loss in my family. I've had three cousins that died by suicide. Many people on the job that I knew, um, co-workers, died by suicide. I know several people that have attempted suicide. Um, You know, I know a lot of people that struggle with their mental wellness and through AFSP and the research we know that 90% of the people who die by suicide at the time of their death had a um, diagnosable Uh, uh, mental health issue, that doesn't mean it was diagnosed and it doesn't mean that it was being treated. But we do know that there was something going on. Yes, yes. The connection is there. Something was going on. And it's, you know, in our profession, it's like, suck it up and move on. Well, you can't suck it up when we have, you know, for me, I'm hoping one day we look at health as health. So it's not mental health, emotional health, physical health. It's all health. Right, because we know that it overlaps and we know typically there's no one reason that somebody dies by suicide. Typically it's a convergent of many things that are happening at once. We just see an incident or some an event that takes place and then people think, like, you know, if you think about an iceberg and above the iceberg, we think, oh, we saw that that person just got divorced. Oh, we saw that they just got fired. Oh, they just had, a, um, or they didn't get a promotion. Right. But there's so many things underlying that typically are a convergence of things at once, and that's how come, um, unfortunately, suicide becomes the end result.
1: Uh, so, um, and, and we're here. We, we have a largely, you know, public safety audience, um, and and our client base is public safety, and I'm a public safety officer. Um. What are, what are some things uh, in that realm um, that, that is kind of unique or specific or key uh, things that, that folks in that world need to know about this topic?
2: Yeah, so we are all humans first, period. Every one of us, regardless whether or not we are in our um, uniforms and we're performing the job that we're expected to do, we are humans first and so once we recognize that we all are humans and then on top of being a human we have these unique professions that we enter into many of us that are in first responder worlds also have another layer because many of us either are active military or vi- are veterans so we have these layers of seeing trauma tragedy devastation All these things, some things that we never would even want anyone to ever see in a movie, yet we're exposed to, right? And so when we recognize that many of the things that we see are not something that's typical for the rest of the world, and when we recognize that it's okay to realize these are not normal occurrences for everyday life, and realize time after time, it's gonna take a toll on us. Right, Our organ is a brain just like our heart. We will go to the doctor typically if we have something wrong with our heart, but we feel like there's this stereotype that we shouldn't go to the doctor when it's our brain. Well, our brain is a very important organ and we should take care of it just as much as we're taking care of the other organs in our body. And I really look forward to health is health, right? And mental wellness is so important. And I'm grateful because, I'm not grateful for the pandemic, but I really do believe the pandemic has given us an opportunity to understand a little bit more feeling isolated or lonely or a different space. I'm not happy about that, but because that has happened, more people are seem like they're a little bit more understanding and willing to speak about mental wellness and also let's have the conversation about suicide awareness and prevention and prevention.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like and uh, be interested to see if if you've had a similar experience. I, I, I I've been in public safety for, for twenty six years. I, I feel like for a long time, you know, mental health was a was a dirty word. The idea of going to a counselor or a therapist or something, I mean that was that was career suicide. Um, you know, it, it wasn't just a stigma. I mean, it was the end. Like, you, you know, now it's it's pretty normal. Like, it's normalized. Like to the point where I'm like, when did this happen? It's interesting. That you said COVID, like, and, and and that that may have been part of the thing. Whereas now we can have this conversation. I can go back to my firehouse, you know, tomorrow, and have this conversation. And it's 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 no different than if I hurt my shoulder and be like, oh, I got to go to physical therapy. You know, like it, it's just. It's okay. It's it's wellness. It's holistic. You know, a three hundred and sixty degree kind of taking care of yourself. And, and I feel like that normalization is huge, and especially in public safety. Um, you know, where where we 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 joke in the fire service. You know that that firefighters hate. You know, only two things, and that's how things are. You know, and they hate change. You know, um, they hate how things are, and they hate change. Yeah, we you know, do that in and, the uh, law enforcement um, world too. <laughs> um, so to see, when you see this seismic sort of shift and this, this culture change, I think a lot of it is we've had a tremendous also a round of turnover. I think COVID exasperated that. You had a lot of people who were, eh, I don't know where I'm going to go. And now, oh, wait a minute, I, I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to go. Right. And uh, and that's brought in a lot of new people. And, and that, that's fine. I mean, that's just, that's the cycle of things. Um, but that attitude has changed. Um, and, and I think that's that's a positive, you know. Um, and then the interesting thing, though, is, is like you see in a conference like today, how do people start? And that's a good problem to have. It's opportunity, you know, but now you have, uh, you know, you have fire departments, police departments, you have unions. Okay, we, we the, stigma's, the stigma's gone. We we're, we're get the green light to do this. How do we begin? Um, I mean, and, and you with extensive experience in, in both worlds, how do places begin? How, how, do, how does somebody come to their police chief or fire chief or how does the police chief or fire chief themselves recognize and say, man, we need to do something? Do you have, do you have any guidance on that?
2: You know, this is a really interesting question because it's going to vary, right? So I think for me, and I can speak from my experience, I want to have the communication with my, you know, my family, my work family, my blue family, my big extended family, my first responder family. That's the most important. And if we look at people as people, it's the people first. If we don't have the people, then we can't have any people taking care of other people in our community right so we need to care about our people and we have to be open in my opinion and willing to listen and have those conversations and recognize that there may be times that people need to get the help that they need just like you said if you um, have an injury that physical injury that you're not able to perform your job for a period of time You're put on typically light duty, or you're out until you can rehabilitate, and then you come back to work. And that should be, in my opinion, the same thing that we're thinking when we look at mental wellness. If somebody is having challenges with their mental health, if somebody is in crisis, we should want to make sure that they get the help that they need, and then bring them back to work. Now, I will say this. Yes. Are there times where someone can't come back to work? Absolutely. Same thing with physical illness, right? Here in Nevada, we have a heart and lung bill. So if, you know, in firefighting and in um, law enforcement, what that means is we have an annual physical every year and you have to be able to be at a, in a certain space to be able to perform. And if the doctor says that you are not able to, you go and you get the rehab that you can get, you do whatever you can do. But if you're deemed that you no longer can perform the job, well, yes, there's compensation because here in Nevada for the heart and lung bill, there is compensation. However, we're starting to see that in other areas and in Nevada revised statutes here, there are some compensations. Um, You know, there's, I don't want to get all into NRS, which is our Nevada revised statutes, but there are compensations based on um, certain doctor's diagnoses. I will say that um, to go back a little bit, I want to I want to remind everybody that it's so essential to have self care, right? So that's where we have to start. And it's really interesting because when I did a presentation not too long ago, I was asked to present on my doctoral study, and I did a survey and. Um, I did obviously de- a lot of in-depth research, and unfortunately there's not a lot in the law enforcement and the first responder world, sure. there's more in the military. But still, we can have you know, a lot of opportunity to improve. So um, when I did it, they said to me, what would you like this presentation to be called? And I couldn't figure it out for the life of me. I'm like, what, what should the presentation be called? So I called, I, I journaled a lot, I kept writing things down where I felt like, okay, these are things that I'm thinking but I can't get like just a quick little tagline. What am I going to call it? I want people to actually come, right? right. Yep. <laughs> who wants to come listening to somebody that has their doctorate uh, you know, information? So um, I called a, a friend of mine who's a doctor actually at, at the university here locally, UNLV. Um, and I said to her, here's what I need, I need a topic that I can call this and I tell her all the things that I was just kind of writing down, right? And she said, well, what I think I'm hearing you say is self before service. And so I said, that's it. Sure. So, so here I am and I named it self before service, flipping the paradigm or shifting the paradigm. I've done a couple shifting the paradigm. And at the same time, I still, because of my law enforcement self. Kind of like a gut punch. Wait, no, we're supposed to do serving others before self. We're not supposed to, because that's what we're we're told, right? right. And that's right. what we believe. Right. We want to help other people. Right. We can right. help other people, but not to our best capacity if right. we don't take right. care of ourselves. Right. It's that old adage of when you get on the airplane and if the oxygen mask comes right. down, you put it
1: on yourself. Yeah,
2: that's it. We right. all know it. Right. We right. know it's the right thing. We can help others, but not to the best of our capacity if we don't care for ourselves first.
1: And now that it's it's refreshing hearing this um, from someone who obviously uh, you know you you, you had uh, uh, you know a, a very high level leadership position in in public safety, and you get to a point in public safety where you get to those high levels, and you're you're as much of a politician in some ways as you are a you know a, a law enforcement you know or a public safety officer. How do you these are these are resource dependent endeavors um, so what's advice that you have for people in leadership positions on how do you advocate um, you know how do you how do you articulate that that this is a good investment for your agency for your city for your county um, you, you know that any different than any other you know resource dependent initiative how do you make that argument
2: yeah, well.
1: It sounded like you'd, you've kind of done it already. Yes, you know, yeah, but. I, and
2: I have, and it's, and like, you know, I think timing has a lot to do with it, right? Because I feel like I've been talking to, I have been blue in the face for a couple of decades right. prior right. to getting to where we are now. Yeah. Um, when I was working on my doctorate program and, you know, here we are in the middle of the pandemic. So I, I didn't finish it prior to me retiring. I finished it after my retirement. But I had been working on it obviously prior to, and I'm thinking to myself, how am I gonna go in the middle of the pandemic, when we're having civil unrest, when we're defunding law enforcement
1: and asking for something else.
2: Exactly. Ask for more (laughs) mental health, mental wellness for our officers, for our first responders. Because I really wanted it to be really cohesive, really collaborative, really collective, um, you know, all of our first responders, even to include dispatch, you sure. know. Um, and so when I, when I went and I had to do some practicing, of course, with different politicians and through my doctoral program and and how was I going to approach different political figures and get feedback and how was I going to go ahead and just you know, test the waters, so to speak. And so what I did was, um, because I did testify on a few bills um, to include the one that was for my doctoral program. And um, not really for it, but it it came up during my doctoral program and that was my goal to change legislation, right? And so um, when it came up, I said, you know, to myself, how am I gonna tell these people How am I going to tell political figures that this is the right thing to do and the time is now? It actually was yesterday, but we're going to do it now. And basically, I I would say this. We have law enforcement officers here, and I'm going to focus on law enforcement for this particular piece, but I mean it for everyone, right? Because I think it should be comprehensive. We have law enforcement officers, and they are here. Whether or not we get to fund it, that may or may not happen, or it is in the process of happening. But we still have law enforcement people are still coming to your door, whether they're coming as a self-initiated, not necessarily to your door, but maybe your car door or or to, you know, on the street, whether it's self-initiated or it's calling it, you know, it's a call and you're responding to a call. Would you not want your loved ones to have someone responding to you in the best mental state as possible? They one, have a sidearm on their (laughs) belt. So they are arms. And, and importantly so, yep. they have yep. that firearm yep. for a good reason, and they're responding to protect you in our community. They're responding to come and make sure that they can do the very best to keep our community safe and your loved ones safe. Whether or not you love us, whether or not you called us, or whether you did make the call, don't you want us to be of good, sound mind and body?
1: Yep. Men make the best decisions on high stress you know positions yeah. yeah and and what was the reception that you experienced making that argument
2: I really um, got a lot a lot of favorable responses better than I thought um, some of our deliveries were you know obviously I was a lot more in-depth the conversations were a lot more I gave a lot of you know I started the foundation and I brought it all the way up sure Um, But I really just, you know, made that connection with these people and people that I know that weren't so supportive of law enforcement. And I don't mean that they don't support us in the way that um, they don't think that that we're needed in our communities. But felt like there are other ways that we can change the way that it looks right today. And I don't disagree in some of those ways. Um, And at the same time, you know, even with firefighters, there are firefighters that also, you know, people... Usually, I mean, everybody loves you, right? Everybody loves a firefighter. I'm, <laughs> a brand, I'm a branding guy. It's a lot easier to brand the fire service than the law enforcement. Well, are. I'm just going to say we all, you know, we know, we know where it's at. And, um, you know, all kidding aside, there are firefighters as well that are expected to show up on scene and give their very best, take care of what needs to be taken care of the people, the property, and saving the lives. And to do that, the very best that they can do. And in doing so, they need to be uh, also a yep. good mind, sound yep. body, right? They need to be healthy in every way, not just physically, but they need to be healthy emotionally and mentally as well.
1: Well, thank you. That, I mean, that that was a, a, a tremendous perspective and, and, and a kind of unique perspective from just your personal experience. Um, kind of one last thing we we talked we talked a lot about what you know agencies can do, what, what leaders can do. Um, we talked when we first started. We talked about individuals, some things people can do to to, to make themselves a little more resilient. Uh, firefighting, law enforcement, emergency response—it's uh, a team sport. Um, how do we take care of each other?
2: Oh, I love this question so so if we're so let's look at it in two spaces i want to talk a little bit of resiliency and then go back to suicide prevention piece and awareness so in the resiliency space um, i do a lot of work in the resiliency space as well and so it's so important to be resilient and not wait until you need to be resilient right so if you imagine like a tool belt you want to have all these different i'll call them tools on your tool belt resiliency tools What do you do to make yourself as healthy as possible? Now, you may not always pull the same one off every time, right? And we may have a little bit of a different resiliency belt. I might have on mine um, meditation and yoga and eating well. And you might have going to the gym and journaling and doing gratitude walks and practicing gratitude on a daily basis. Uh, which are all proven science that, you know, these are gonna be uplifting, they're gonna be healthy, these are good things to do, we know this, right? And so when it's time to pull from our resiliency belt, we already are practicing those things. It shouldn't be the day that we need it, right? When all hell breaks loose and now we've gotta figure out how to be resilient. Because what resiliency does is it allows us to get up and to move through, not get over, get up and move through quicker and better if we have that skill set already intact and also good problem-solving skills, right? So if we have that already intact, that's so much more helpful for ourselves because we're all going to see in our lifetime something where we're going to experience some kind of tragedy or devastation or trauma, just in general, not just in the first responder world, right? So I would say everybody should be doing this. And then in addition to that, Having a real conversation. If you feel like you see something, somebody's behavior is different, it's not typical of what they usually have as their behavior. If you see their moods are changing, if you see that things aren't right, if you recognize that these things are, you know, really, um, someone might be in a place where they're not in a good space and you don't know what's going on. You don't have to know what's going on. Have that conversation. Have it politely, have it authentically, have it empathetically, have it sincerely, and have it on the side in privacy. It's a real conversation. It's just like if one of your loved ones are in trouble. You're just not going to ignore them, I hope. You know, suicide, yes, it's been difficult to say, are you thinking about killing yourself? I'm, I'm really worried about you. I've noticed that you haven't been going out as much frequently as you used to as frequently as you used to be. I notice that when we get together after, after shift, you're not there. You seem to be going home quite a bit.
1: I, I, I hear you keep saying the word "I," so it, it like yes. you're 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 putting it on you.
2: You picked it up. Yeah, that's it. It's it's taking it off of you. It's not right. about you're doing this. Right. You're not acting right. right. You're doing something different. It's about what I'm seeing. And you know what? I love you. And, and I know we don't like to use this word, you know, I know that in the, in the um, first responder world, we don't like to use the L word, we, but you know what? My philosophy always as a leader was lead with love because you have to lead with love. If you don't care, if you're not compassionate, if you don't have a big heart, you can be as brilliant as you want but you're not gonna connect with the people the way that we need to connect. And we know in the, in the first responder world, the best tool, especially in law enforcement, the best tool, and, and in, I shouldn't say especially in law enforcement, fire too. Because you're, we're rolling on the same calls. We're seeing the same people. True. A lot of these people do have um, needs, you know, special needs, whether they're in the health arena or whether they just don't wanna see a first responder roll in. And our tongue is our most powerful tool that we own. And if we can have a real conversation and make it so it's regular, make it so we change our culture, so we feel like, like you used the word earlier, normalize it. And if we do it on a continuous basis, we're gonna be able to make it more comfortable and feel good about it. And you know, I've had people say to me, "Um, well, I don't want my friends to be upset with me if I ask them if they're thinking about taking their life. Well, would you rather them be dead yeah. Would you rather yeah, them not be here? You'll
1: buy more time for them to forgive you someday.
2: That's it. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I, I think the challenge, um, I, I always thought the fire service had a slight advantage over law enforcement especially, which in far too many places is one officer alone in a car all day. Uh, you mentioned dispatchers uh, before um, those are the always forgotten about you know people and and i 've been around enough dispatchers who you, you realize um, they don 't get the the satisfaction maybe uh, they, they, their minds paint the picture uh, of things that are often worse than the reality without having the I guess you could say the satisfaction of actually getting their hands dirty and, and feeling like, you know, they, 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 they moved the problem forward. And those folks are always forgotten about. It. I worry now, I mean, EMS, I think of everybody in public safety, um, you know, police and fire have it good to compare. I mean, EMS get their teeth kicked in with no end in sight. Um, and these are folks who are often trapped on ambulances all day uh, for a problem that's, you know, that that's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the one thing that the fire service we used to we'd have the kitchen table and we were there together and uh, and and uh, what's challenged that now is our firehouses keep getting bigger. We have individual bunk rooms, we have our phones in front of our faces anymore, and we're not talking anymore. Um, so I, I think all of us have to, you know, whether you're in a, in a formal leadership role, you're in an informal leadership role, you have to almost take it upon yourself now, I think, in public safety um, to, to get people to put down the phones, to set up social gatherings, whether you're on duty or off duty. Hey, we're, let's meet for Starbucks, you know, uh, for have a quick cup of coffee. Just so you have this this human interaction in a Positive, non-stressful way because usually when you're dealing with the public, there's there's going to be stress involved and there's there's um, there's processes involved. Um, no, I think th- this has been a, a fascinating conversation. I appreciate the, the the depth of perspectives that that you gave on here, and obviously you know unique perspectives from. Being neck deep in uh, you know a lot of things in this this world, and, and I, I I I appreciate uh, your thoughts and your, your dedication uh, to all of this, and uh, it, it's 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 humbling to to, to hear it all, but. Um, I think it's exciting. There's a lot of people out there trying to do a lot of good work, and I feel like cultures are finally changing to where people are willing to listen. Yeah. And and it's easier than ever maybe to get, you know, if there's a downside of people having their phones in front of their face all the time, it's they're not talking to each other, but in some ways it's also easier to reach them uh, with information that they may have never gotten in front of them or thought about or, or anything before. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, these are all things we just have to keep keep pushing and, and advancing the fields. But uh, uh, thank you. Uh, this was a great discussion. Uh, Dr. Michelle Freeman from the AFSP, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Uh, she's based out here in Las Vegas. And again, I'm Jim Oleski from NEP Media, and uh, we've been on location in Las Vegas at NEP Services. We Need to Talk Behavioral Health Conference. Thank you for listening, and we will uh, catch you on the next time.
0: Thank you for listening to NEP On Location and Jim Oleski's conversation with Dr. Michelle Freeman. Remember to subscribe to NEP On Location wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com. And for the latest ideas and information from around the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more, please visit our website at nepmedia.net.